0: Well, good morning, friends. We hope you are well. And once again, we have an opportunity to encounter the living God today. You know, I think in the day in and day out of our lives, even the occasions when we open up God's Word, as well as our week-in, week-out rhythms of participating in Sunday church services, we can easily lose sight of that opportunity that this is a time to encounter God. But the truth is, God is here, He is with us, and He is revealing Himself to us. Do we see Him? Do we see Him at work around us? Do we see Him when we encounter His Word, when we sing our songs of worship to Him? As the children of God, we have been given access to our Heavenly Father because of the work of Christ on the cross. The barrier between us that existed before is gone. As His children, we can approach God with boldness, knowing we are accepted by Him, that we are loved by Him, and that we have access to and are recipients of God's power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now that is amazing. With God on our side, what or who can contend with us? So in light of these spiritual realities, my prayer this morning is that We have an expectant heart for the Lord, expectant to hear His voice, expectant for His peace, expectant to experience His joy, and filled with expectant hope for His power to be made manifest in our lives. So as we sing our worship to the Lord this morning, as we hear teaching from His Word, let us enter into His presence with receptive hearts for what God has for us today. May that be our prayer. So will you pray with me to that end as we begin our time together? Lord, the words of prayer of the Apostle Paul resonates in my heart when he said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, this is our prayer too. And may our time with you today be an avenue for these realities to sink deep into our hearts. Give us a receptivity to hear from you today, loud and clear. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank okay. you.
1: We'll be looking at Matthew 7, 1 through 27 as we finish up the Sermon on the Mount and our study of God's kingdom continues. So join with me in Matthew 7. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all this time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord.
2: So today we come to the end of Jesus' great kingdom sermon. Next week we'll jump to Matthew 13, and we'll look at some of the parables of the kingdom. But today... Uh, We wrap up this amazing sermon, and we'll be focusing just on the second half of chapter seven today. There's so much in the whole chapter, but I want to focus in on verse 13 through to the end and the way that Jesus wraps up this amazing message on the kingdom. And I want to bring us into the central image of his wrap up, which is there in verse 13 and 14. It's the image of a road or of a way or of a path, really kingdom life is a is a path it's it's a way to be a kingdom person is to to walk a particular path it's to pursue a set of things it's to walk through this world with a particular set of postures and attitudes and values and actions you know Jesus first commandment to his disciples was follow me that was it follow me that's the fundamental call of discipleship. He invites us to walk on this path with him. He himself at that moment was walking a particular path through the world, and he invited these early disciples, said, come be with me, walk with me, and walk like me. And so he was inviting them into a way of life, the kingdom way of life. And it's interesting that the early Christians in the book of Acts were first known as the people of the way, even before they were known as Christians, they were the people of the way, and I like that. It, ha- it carries a sense that they had a particular way in the world. They-, they looked a particular way and walked a particular way in this world. And so today I want to ask this question that I think is the way that Jesus finishes this sermon, which is this. What way are you on? What path are you on? And I just want to acknowledge up front, uh, this is a hard-hitting passage, the way Jesus closes this thing, isn't it? I mean, he, he does not pull any punches. He uh, issues a set of warnings, uh, sober warnings of of coming judgment, and it's all meant to, I think, wake us up and force us to ask this question, what path am I on? So what we'll see is he's going to give us four related images. They're all driving at the same basic idea. Okay. First, you have these two paths, then two trees, then two people, and then finally two houses. And again, all these images are driving at this question, what Path are you on? So let's look at these together. So first, this first one of the of the two paths in verse thirteen: Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. All right. So I want you to picture these two paths. Right. One is is very wide. It's it's very broad. It's it's comfortable. It's easy. Uh, There's lots of people on it. It's not lonely. There's that path. But what all these people walking down this path don't know, Jesus says, is that it leads to destruction. And then there's another path, and it's tight. It's narrow, and it's difficult and tough, and it's harder to find, and it's more lonely. But that path leads to life. And of course, he's saying, choose the narrow path road. Now let me ask the question, what is the narrow path? What does he mean by that? Well, let me suggest the narrow path is precisely the kingdom life that he has been describing in this sermon, right? We might say that Jesus himself is the gate. He's the entrance into this and the way of life that he invites us into is the path, but essentially it is this kingdom way that he's been talking about for three chapters now. And so I thought as we close this sermon, we could just review this path for a moment, just to feel the weight of how narrow this road is in the midst of the world that we actually live in. Okay. So remember back to the Beatitudes. What is this kingdom path? It is a path of poverty of spirit, of humility and meekness. Uh, And that's a very narrow path in a world that is full of pride a world full of people who are just always wanting to just give you their opinion on everything, right? It's a narrow path. Uh, It's a path of peacemaking, a path of being merciful, which again is a very narrow path in the midst of of a world where there's so much conflict and division and judgmentalism. Um, It is a path where we choose to take the hit sometimes relationally for doing what is right for pursuing righteousness, and that's a narrow road in, in and in a place where people are always willing to compromise in order to just fit in with what's going on. It's the path of this deeper righteousness that Jesus calls us into. It's a path of dealing with the anger that wells up in our hearts and of pursuing reconciliation with people immediately as quickly as we can, which is a very narrow path in the midst of a world where people just want to assert themselves whenever they can. Uh, it's a path where we deal with the lust inside of us. And we remain pure and committed to our spouses if we're married for for life. And that is a very narrow path in this highly sexualized culture we live in, where people will just kind of cut bonds when it's not convenient. It is a path where we tell the truth in all kinds of circumstances. And that's narrow when we're constantly surrounded by politicians uh, and leaders and celebrities who will kind of spin things how they want to get what they want. It is a path where we love our enemies, where we pray for those who persecute us, which is very narrow in this world where people just want to get even. We just want to to get our way. Um, It is a path where we don't care about the praise of people, which is a very narrow pathway in a culture where everyone just wants to get noticed. Everyone wants people to see what they're up to. And we looked last week. It is a pathway where we really don't care about worldly wealth. We just pursue the kingdom. And that is a very very narrow pathway in a world where everybody's just wanting to get wealthier. All that to say, it's a narrow path and very few people will choose it. And yet, it is the path to life that is true life, both in this life and for all eternity. And Jesus warns, right, of coming judgment. One leads to destruction and one leads to life. And he forces us to ask the question, am I on the right path? What pathway am I on? Now let's look at the second image. And we'll see as these images go, the path gets narrower and narrow as we go. So the next image is of two trees. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So he calls us to the narrow road. And then in this one, he says, hey, guess what? There will be people who appear to others to be on this narrow road, but in fact, they're not. He describes them as uh, coming in sheep's clothing. They're dressed in sheep's clothing, meaning to all appearances, they're part of the flock, right? These are are people who are going to join the community of faith. They're going to the worship with the community. They're going to do Bible study with the community. They're going to speak the language of the community. They're going to be involved in the life of the community. And by all outward appearances, they're going to look great. They're going to look nice. They're going to look interesting, compelling, moral, whatever it might be. But Jesus says the inner reality doesn't match what everyone sees. And it's interesting, he says, over time, the discerning person will be actually able to tell right? In verse 16, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And he starts talking about trees. These two trees are different kinds of trees and their fruit. Um, And you look at a tree and there, there are certain seasons of a tree's life where you could look at it and think, oh, that's a healthy tree. Or you might think that's an apple tree or that's a fig tree, if you don't know trees very well. But you may not be able to discern its health or what it is exactly. But over time, when it produces fruit, you'll see what kind of a tree it is, the specific kind of tree and whether the tree is healthy or not. It's interesting, we, uh, in our yard, our, our next door neighbor, our neighbor uh, behind us uh, has a big lemon tree. When I first moved in, we had all these lemons overhanging in our in our yard. And I was thinking, oh, this is great, free lemons all the time. Uh, but it turns out these lemons, every time they come up, they're super wrinkled and they're totally dried out. I mean, they're absolutely worthless trees. And without the lemons, the tree looks fine. It looks like a good tree, but the truth is there's something unhealthy about that tree. And, and the fruit helps you see what, you're actually dealing with. Now, what is this fruit? What what are these fruits that we would recognize? Let me suggest, the true fruit would be the life of the kingdom that Jesus has been describing in this sermon, right? It's not church attendance, it's not Bible knowledge, it's not Christian platitudes, it is this kingdom life, the beatitudes, these postures of the heart, this deeper righteousness, these pursuits of God in his kingdom, those are the true fruits. And over time, Jesus is saying, you can recognize whether somebody is actually, they, they embody those things, this kingdom life. If you get close enough and you look hard enough, you can see over time, probably in conflict, you can see it, uh, in crisis, in challenge, that's probably when you really begin to see is this person really on this kingdom path or not? And just as with the first image, there's a big warning in the second image. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus saying, there's a path that leads to destruction. Now he's saying there's a tree that gets cut down and thrown into the fire. So the question is, what kind of a tree are you? What path are you on? It gets even narrower in the next image, the image of these two different kinds of people that begin in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So this one takes it even further. Just a second ago, he said there'll be some people who appear to others to be on the road, and they're not. Now he's saying there will be some people who they will even themselves think that they're on the right path, and they're actually not on the right path. And it's really interesting how he describes these people. He says, these are people who say, Lord, Lord, to Jesus. Now, let me just stop there and say, that's the best thing that you can say to Jesus. Like, that was the fundamental first century affirmation is, Jesus Christ is Lord. And these people are saying that, and they're probably singing it in worship, and they're probably telling people about that, right? They think they've got this great relationship with Jesus, but he says this about them. They're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He's saying, it doesn't matter what you say about me. What matters is that you obey me, that you do the will of my Father in heaven. In Luke 6, he says something similar. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And that's a a very poignant question. What counts is not what you say about me. What counts is that you do the will of my Father, that you obey me. Now, what is the will of his Father? Let me suggest, it is precisely this kingdom sermon that Jesus is preaching. That's the kind of fruit that Jesus is looking for. Now, it's interesting. These people go on to point out a certain kind of fruit that they have that actually looks... I would say quite impressive. Look at verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. So these people point out some really impressive fruit, really amazing things that they've done. They've prophesied, they've casted out demons, they've performed miracles and all in Jesus' name. Today we could add things like they Preached great sermons in Jesus' name. They won others to Christ in Jesus' name. They started amazing ministries in Jesus' name. All this impressive life of ministry for Jesus. I mean, what else could validate an authentic Christian life? This is a terrifying passage for those of us in full-time church ministry. Jesus responds to that description of fruit, and he says, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. All this stuff that you did in my name, um, you didn't do that with me. You didn't do that in me. You didn't actually do that for me. You didn't actually know me. You did all this stuff in my name, but but in at, at the end, you were not my kind of person. You didn't know me, and I don't know you. And I really think he's saying more or less the same thing as what he just said, those who don't do the will of my Father in heaven. Because essentially what it means to know Jesus, it is to do the will of his, his father in heaven. That's what it means to know him, it is to walk in his ways, to enter into this relationship and walk the way he walks. And of course, with this one, as with the other two, you have this warning of judgment, right? People are gonna face Jesus on that day and some will hear these great words and some will hear these terrifying words. And so the question is, what kind of a person is you? Are, are you? <laughs> what kind of person is you? Uh, what kind of person are you? Okay, so let me just step back where we are so far here's the question, what path are you on? And he first says, there are people who will appear to be on the right path to others, but they're not. Then he goes on to say, there will be people who even think that they're right on the right path, but they're not. Okay. So then he says, therefore, in light of all that, what do you do? Here's his final word in his sermon. Verse 24, he takes us to this final image of the two houses. I should try that sometime okay so you've got these two houses and just like with all the each of the other three images you have this warning of impending judgment now it comes in this image of a storm that hits both of these houses and one house survives and the other is wiped out and of course the fundamental difference is the foundation on which they stand and what are these foundations the good foundation he says, is the person who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That's the good foundation. The bad foundation is the person who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Okay, all that to say, here's the conclusion of the matter. You have heard this kingdom life that I've just laid out for you. Now, put it into practice. Because what counts is not knowing it what counts is walking it. That's what kingdom life is all about, is the path that you must walk. And he's confronting all of us who listen to God's word regularly with this huge temptation, which is simply to to hear Jesus' words and to read Jesus' words and to say, oh, that's so interesting and compelling. And what do you think about this? And what about that? And talk about it and think about it. And then to not actually put it into practice, to study it, to look at it, to read it, and just to move on with our lives as they were. It's like a person who's been given a map to this great destination and sits there with this map, and goes, I know the way, I could get there anytime I want and never goes on the journey. And Jesus is saying in so many words, go on the journey. And he's warning us, if you don't go on the journey, there is judgment ahead. But if you follow this pathway, There is life, life to the full, life everlasting. So all that to say, these four images, two paths, two two, uh, people, two trees, two houses, all inviting us to put into practice what he's been saying. So as we leave this kingdom sermon ourselves to move on to the next part, Um, I want to leave you with this encouragement, which is simply the encouragement Jesus leaves us with, which is go on the journey, put into practice what Jesus is saying, walk in this kingdom way. And I want to acknowledge this is hard, right? These are hard words. These are hard hitting words. And Jesus seems to be inviting us in a way that we frankly don't feel like we've got it in us to do. At least that's how I feel. And so I want us to, I want to leave you with this encouragement and remind us that this is, Jesus is not inviting us into perfection. This is not about perfection. It is about committing ourselves to the journey with Him. That's what it's about. And I rest, you know, back to what I said in the beginning, Jesus' original commandment to to His disciples follow me. I I rest in, in their own story. I mean, they obeyed that command, they started following Him, they began to walk in the way. Of the, he was walking, but as you read the Gospels, you realize they were physically walking in his way. I mean, they would stay with him and move from town to town. Physically, they were on the same path, but so much of the time, spiritually, they were not on the same path, right? I mean, Jesus was on this path of, of humility, of service, and they were on the path of arguing who was the greatest, right? Jesus was on this path of forgiveness and mercy, loving his enemies, And they were on this pathway of of calling down fire on their Samaritan enemies when they would enter their town, right? So they, they were a group of bumbling, stumbling people that were trying to follow in all their kind of broken, messy ways. And that gives me great comfort as I think about ourselves and how we will do the same. And what also gives me comfort is to think about two things that happened in this world that changed everything for them, the original disciples. And the first is this. What happened to change them was the cross and resurrection of Jesus, that they were living life with Jesus, and then they watched him get crucified, and then they watched him raise from the dead, and they began to understand what his cross was all about, that he died for their sins, why he had to do that, and that he had conquered death, and he was alive, and their eyes were opened When they saw the risen Jesus and they began to understand the meaning of the whole thing and began to see the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. But the cross and the resurrection began to change everything for them. And then the second reality was the gift of the Spirit. When Jesus returned to heaven and poured out His Spirit, His own presence began to empower them, to begin to comfort them, to begin to guide them so that they could begin to walk in the path that Jesus had walked those years in a profoundly different way it really did change and transform them. And so that comforts me. And I want, to, I want to leave us in this sermon with those two realities. We walk this journey, we stumble along the way, but we walk it, first of all, always in the shadow of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We walk knowing that we are forgiven for all our sins, all the, the, the stumbles we've made, all the stumbles we will make. We walk in forgiveness. We walk from forgiveness. We walk towards forgiveness every single day. And so, yes, we're going to fall. But what we do every time we fall is we experience the forgiveness of the cross again, and we get up, and we keep going in that forgiveness. And secondly, we walk in the power of the Spirit. This kingdom road that Jesus describes here, if we look at this and try to roll up our sleeves in our own efforts, say, I can pull this off, we will never make it. We can only do this in dependence on his presence with us, his spirit guiding, comforting, strengthening, and so we live from this place of dependence, which is to say, we start this journey the way Jesus starts a sermon, with poverty of spirit. We look at what the life that Jesus invites us into, and then we look inside ourselves and we realize, I do not have it in my own spirit to do this. So what I need, Jesus, I need your spirit, the same spirit that enabled you to walk this way, I need to depend on that same Spirit. And Jesus says, I give it to you. It's yours. My presence is with you. I go with you. So we walk and we stumble, but we do that in the shadow of the cross. And then we we do that in the power of the Spirit. That is the the, the, the kingdom path. So let us walk together on that journey. Let's take this to the Lord in prayer. So let's just take a moment to do business with the Lord right now. And as you've heard this kingdom message over the last five weeks, and as you've heard this call to put it into practice, to actually take steps along this journey today, maybe today is an opportunity for you in a fresh way to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to follow. I want to follow you in this path. I want to be a person of the way. Maybe today is an opportunity to make a fresh commitment to him. That just says, Lord, I know I'm imperfect. I know I'm broken, but I am up for this journey. I want to walk with you on this pathway. And as you think of the things that Jesus' sermon covers, maybe there's a, a particular issue that stands out. That you say, Lord, I I want to walk your kingdom way in this area. Maybe it's in the area of anger or lust or seeking human praise or seeking worldly wealth or any of the things that Jesus brings up in the sermon. But maybe there's a particular area that's the right starting point for you where you've kind of maybe just been honestly sitting down on that one. You've just kind of fallen along the side of the road and it's time to, to get up in a fresh way. And to recommit yourself to the Lord and to ask His Spirit to move in a fresh way and work renewal so that you can be walking on that path in that area of your life. So why don't you just take a moment to identify that with the Lord and make that fresh commitment to the kingdom way with Him. Father, we know that even as we make these commitments, the desire to follow you is itself pleasing to you. And you are a father who looks at your children with love and delight and longs for us to continue on this kingdom way. Lord, would you help us to walk in the shadow of the cross every day? Where we have fallen many times over, uh, may we experience your forgiveness in a fresh way today. May we experience your acceptance of us, your sweet forgiveness through the cross. And Lord, would you empower us by your Spirit? Would your Spirit fill us in a fresh way for a fresh work of faithfulness, of joy, of obedience, of walking in this path with you, Lord. We cannot do this without you. And so we ask you to do what only you can do, that we might walk in your ways to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've been encouraged by this morning's message. And as always, we invite you to consider and to discuss the reflection questions that we'll put on the screen. And let us just end our time
0: with this benediction from 2 Thessalonians. We pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Amen.